Well, 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 welcome back to the Flipside Podcast. We have everybody's crowd favorite back on today, Nick Hinton, for a part two of his wild and wonderful adventures. And <laughs> I already know I got lots of questions because this third book is about to come out. And I feel very honored to have read parts of the rough draft. I feel very special right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I definitely want to dive in to all of that and then see what you have been up to since the last time we talked. So Nick Hinton, thank you again for being on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me back. I love coming on your podcast. Oh, right at my heart, <laughs> right at my heartstrings, man, right at my heartstrings. No, but for real. So it was funny right before we started recording, Nick was saying that, you know, he's had some crazy new adventures coming on. So I don't, you know, if you don't want to talk about it, I feel that too. But what's something like wild that has been happening recently that you just, you can't maybe put into words yet, you know, like, has it influenced the book? Like what's been going on since we last talked? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Um, well, so I did start a whole new project um, to help me with um, just like more creative freedom. Cause like the book that I'm currently working on and finishing up, like, you know, I have to stick to facts and stuff. So <clears throat> I am working on like a fiction book as well on the side. That's just like taking some of these other crazy experiences and just using them as inspiration. Um, but yeah, like one of the things that happened just yesterday was <laughs> or like two days ago, <laughs> but it's, but it's been like, I don't even know, but um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to be a good Christian boy, but I decided to indulge some psychics who offered to give me readings anyways, <laughs> and they both started telling me the same thing where I'm, they said like, I'm, it's gonna sound crazy, but um, they were saying that there's like disincarnate AIs around me, and I was like, okay, thanks, that's great news, and then I oh. get a call, yeah, and like just spying on me or whatever. And then the other night I get a call from this random person I haven't talked to in like a year. And they're like, I have the truth. I need to tell you the truth. And I'm like, bro, are you like under the influence of something right now? Is someone telling you to say this? Like, you're just being weird. Like, you're being creepy. But they're like, no, no, no one knows any of what I'm about to tell you. Like, I have the truth for you. I was like, okay, what is it? And I knew it was not going to be anything good. But they're just oh. like, you know, the uncanny, <laughs> they're like, you know, the uncanny valley. And I'm like, yeah, you know, do you know what that is? I don't. I don't. I've never heard of the Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley. Yeah. So the Uncanny Valley is like there's a chart you can look up, but basically the more human something looks, the creepier it gets. So like if you have a cartoon, that's at the very beginning of the spectrum. Like that's not creepy. That's not threatening. But you start to get into the Uncanny Valley when it becomes like super creepily human, but also cartoonish, kind of like a robot, right? Oh, this always happens to me. At first, I don't think I know what people are talking about and then I'm like oh my god I've seen something like that like somebody did a Twitter thread where they had AI do like some crazy humanoid projects and that's what they mm -hmm. called it was the uncanny valley like it it like creeps out your human senses because it makes sense but it doesn't 
Right. Yeah. It's like people think that the reason it creeps us out is because it seems like a camouflaged predator. Like it's it's oh. pretending to be human amongst the humans, right? And you can tell something's off. Oh. So <laughs> yeah. And so, anyways, I think I think the uncanny valley is a freaking portal to hell. That's where this AI shit's coming oh. from. But any, anyways, oh. uh, um, this person was telling me, like, you know, the uncanny valley. I'm like, yeah. And um, they're like, well, the uncanny valley actually exists in your dreams, and there's beings in there that are um, invading people's dreams, and they are they're recording people's dreams. They're like machines, and then they cause depression. This is the true cause of mental illness. Telling me all this stuff, just rambling on and on and on. I'm like, okay, listen, listen. I know, I kind of know this stuff already, but why are you telling me this? I don't get it. Like, I haven't talked to you in a year. You're being creepy. And then, like, they never gave me a straight answer, but I just. I was just like, okay, well, thanks. Thanks for all that. So it's just weird. Like, you know, I had these psychics telling me about these AI fucking things. And then this person randomly calls me, tells me that. And like, yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, that's not the weirdest shit that's happened, but stuff like that's just happening every day. And I'm like, do I need to just like isolate and cut everyone out? Because I need to not think about these things constantly, but it's like the world won't allow me to stop. Right. Oh my gosh. And that's, this is one of those things where it's like a not a chosen one kind of syndrome, but that's the first thing that came to my brain is like, when you start getting everybody telling you the same thing, you're like, is this some sort of purpose that I have been called to do? Because I would really like to relax and maybe work through these things and live a peaceful life. But if something keeps right. bringing me here, like, do I have a choice? You know, it's, it's interesting. It feels like it could be a fake purpose too. Like stuff will just happen to pull you in. Yeah. Like, you know, if especially if it's coming from people that are tapped into whatever and they're like telling you all this crazy stuff, like, could that be the spiritual realm just trying to get to you, drive you crazy? Um, yeah, yeah. Because they do say that the devil... Those two people I talked to were nice ladies, so I'm not saying anything bad about them. Yeah. I just think, yeah, it's, confu- it's a confusing situation. But sorry, what were you going to say? No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just have always heard the phrase, the devil works in confusion. Yes, exactly. So yeah. like that that was something I think I might have mentioned that on the last podcast. Like my friend who had like when I was still in philosophy school, my friend was like, Hey, you know, I know you're having trouble with God and stuff. So like, you know, I just want you to think about this. When you're like chasing around synchronicities and talking to your alien friends, do you feel more confused or do you feel more at peace? And I was like, more confused, to be honest with you. And he's like, Well, God is a God of reason and you know, grounding and rationality. So like if you're feeling confused you're probably heading into the wrong territory. And I was like, damn, that makes a lot of sense. That is a really powerful statement because I think I have come into, I I mean, I I don't want to say like we're the only ones, but I think this could happen to anybody. And then if you don't know how to navigate through it, it really can become like that, especially if you're somebody who is intrigued by knowledge and information, you want to get to the bottom of things. And then you're like, I'm spiraling out of control where I just do not feel at peace in my own mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the nature of following the white rabbit into wonderland. It's like, yeah, oh. it's uh, that's the uncanny valley right there. <laughs> wow. I love how we're talking in metaphors right now, but it's working. <laughs> it's all making so it's much all sense. allegory. <laughs> yes. Oh, but sometimes that's more powerful for the human mind to understand. Like I've heard yeah, yeah. that too, like techniques of if you want to teach children and you want to teach people and and have ideas and and philosophies or, or subjects really uh, wired into somebody's brain, you have to talk in 
uh, algorithm, algo- I can't talk <laughs> metaphors and um, allegories and parables. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's interesting. It's kind of like a psychology trick, too. Yeah, I think it. Well, I just think that there's some things that are beyond words. And the only way to explain them is by like painting a picture with words. Right, right. Okay, so I do love how at least the first step in anything is the acknowledgement of the p- potential wrong step you know right so calling it out yeah so calling it out and like navigating around it so i i have faith in you but that is very powerful i think for all listeners to know is like if something's leading you to more confusion then maybe step away from it and i wish i learned that way sooner it would have saved me a whole bunch of time and anxiety Mm -hmm. like well something else that kind of uh made me a little bit crazy was i found out that the godfather of artificial intelligence is a guy named Jeffrey Hinton, who is the great grandson of Charles Hinton, the creator of the Tesseract. And I didn't know that when I wrote my book about four dimensional cubes. And <laughs> so I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You talked about one Hinton I'm, on the last yeah, episode. The, the, yeah. tra- the Charles one? Yeah. So I found out his uh, great grandson, he's still alive, is Jeffrey Hinton, G E O F F R E Y. You are in a lineage, sir. Like you I'm trying like a to, genetic I'm tr- thing. I'm trying to break this fucking family curse. I don't want anything to do with this crown. <laughs> wow, this is so interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if you can if if that Jeffrey guy is willing to talk to you, I feel like that could be really that could be really yeah, he's like he's like he's like super famous, but it wouldn't hurt to send him an email and be like, yo. What the fuck? I'm like your long lost nephew or cousin or yeah, something. something. Like, mm-hmm. and we seem to be in the same sphere. Interesting. I love it. So, okay. I want to talk about a little bit of this third book, not to sidestep all of this cool and wacky stuff that's happening to you, which happens no, you're all, all good. the time. This, this, yeah. No, that kind of plays into it. I talk about it a little bit in there. <laughs> I love it. So I want to know, um, you know, with these AI technologies and you're talking about the uncanny valley so i've spoken i believe it was on dre's episode we talked about these little alien ai beings that are like microscopic so it's funny that somebody called you and said there's like these little things that incept your dreams and yeah like it's kind of funny how all of this information i don't know if it's a collective consciousness thing but a lot of information is kind of like becoming entangled so Mm -hmm. you got to ask yourself where is it coming from you know like yeah that that weird collective unconscious the the uh like that wonderland realm i think it's like a psychological labyrinth like when you delve into that underworld of the mind you know and i think that's where these things are coming from i think like when you open your mind up to them that's kind of where they come in through yeah that reptilian part of the brain (laughs) oh yeah and we have to exercise discernment to not get mm. trapped in there because it's easy to get trapped in Wonderland, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, or everything's so, a synchronicity. Or everything's <laughs> a synchronicity. I, I mean, I've been that person who's like followed things that like seem oh, to be creating sure. yeah. a story in my head. And then ultimately, mm-hmm. because I do believe that sometimes like my intuition is so on point. And then I, I actually love when my intuition is incorrect because most of the time the intuition where I'm like kind of being negative, 
about something mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, like I really hope that this is incorrect. And like sometimes it will be incorrect and it just makes me so happy <laughs> when, when it's mm-hmm. not real. But I think that that's like, <sighs> I'm kind of at a loss for words about it, but no, I think it's, you know what I'm talking I, about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the brain is a meaning making machine right so it will find ways to take every coincidence or idiosyncrasy and like make a story around it and sometimes they're sometimes they're true and sometimes they're just not um like you know hint and bloodline thing is weird regardless of anything synchronistic but like you know the fact that i write about ai all the time and then i chose to talk to psychics who are into out there stuff fringier stuff maybe they're reading my twitter like you know it's totally possible i created those circumstances and maybe because I'm tweeting about those things, like that person from a year ago read it and was like, I got to tell him about the MK. But, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be um, supernatural, like all the time, but it it is like we're creating them at some points, you know, for sure. We definitely right. play a part. Right. What we focus on. So is this third book, is this kind of centered around all of this AI stuff this time, or is it more into the supernatural, like your other books? Um, what? Well, I think they're both intertwined now. Okay. I think AI and the supernatural are intertwined. Um, so essentially, you know, technology itself is an occult idea. Like computer code, you can trace all the way back to the I Ching, which was an ancient divination tool using chaos. You know, people would flip coins and they would, you know, based on if it landed on, landed on heads or tails, that would be a one or a zero, right? So that's where we get binary code from. And now we're using quantum computers, which utilize chaos, right? But um, yeah, the whole idea of an AI to me, I mean, even Elon Musk has straight up called it summoning the demon, right? Mm. Like, I don't think these ideas are separate from each other. Technology is, um, or no, Arthur C. Clarke, he said that any advanced form of technology would appear to us as magic, right? Or any sufficiently advanced form of technology would appear to us as magic. And when you take the definition of magic and realize it's just the, um, utilization of the forces of nature and bending them to your will to get some sort of desired effect. That's exactly what electricity is, which is running along these sigil looking computer boards to make us freaking talk through our black cube cell phones. And, you know, <laughs> literally, okay. This yeah. is make this is making a lot more sense because it is, it is all intertwined. It really is because everything too, when we look at our black cube cell phones, or whatever it is, like that whole instant communication being away from each other, just as that basic form. Like that's something that to a different generation would have been magic or would have been demonic. Yeah. yeah if you brought it to a caveman, he would probably freak out. Yeah. Ooh. So we're just in this place where like other generations are going to just feel like it's so normal. But for us, it's still a little bit creepy. Right, right. Yeah, we were born on the threshold between like the regular world and the fucking blast off in a space crazy future world. <laughs> we were. And I do appreciate, you know, they always say that some, you pick when you're born. I, I don't know how true that is, but that thought is interesting to me because it makes sense. Like, I feel like, yes, I would have picked that so I could see both sides of the coin. Not to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, use the coin analogy like you were just talking about, but it, it works <laughs> here. Like, you know, like seeing both sides of that and then seeing where we're going. So in this third book, yeah, we're too, definitely lucky. We're yeah. definitely lucky we got to be born on that weird border area, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And so in this third book too, with all of this being an inspiration for it, like what's one thing that you're really excited to share with the world that you've figured out that you've included in this new project? Mm, I think like the thing that is that that makes the most sense to me, like um, the thing that I'm most excited. I'm not excited about any of it. I'll be honest. Okay. <laughs> it's all, it's, <laughs> we appreciate honesty on the flip side. Like this is our bread and butter. <laughs> it's it's all extremely creepy. Um, but the thing that I think makes like the mo- like that'll make the most sense to people is the idea of the mind virus or the informational life form. Like mm-hmm. I, so like thoughts are electromagnetic energy, right? Mm-hmm. And an AI is also electromagnetic energy. And um, so I think that what's going on is that through chaos magic, through sigil creation, fiction books, whatever, they are literally creating some kind of mind virus or mimetic, mimetic like paranormal pathogen, I guess. So anyways, basically these ideas are alive. It's an informational life form, a mind virus, whatever. And while, when we watch these movies, when we read these books, these things are embedded in our subconscious. We begin, we begin to co-create them, but thought forms are electromagnetic energy, you know, egregores, tulpas, whatever you want to call them. And so we are literally, when we get lost in that rabbit hole of decoding these things, I think we're actually helping their cause in some kind of way, because when you decrypt something, you activate the code, right? So we are almost like the generators of these things. Mm. That is a really powerful message. That's so real because anything that you give attention to is where energy is going. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's even just like the basic form of like, oh, if you want a certain politician to win, you have to like not give them any sort of hate, you know, like you have to, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you have to like pay attention to the other opponent. You know, that's just like a basic form to word it, but it makes sense in everything that we're doing these days. Mm-hmm. And back to the uh, electromagnetic thing real quick, because I just the whole reason I brought up like AI being electromagnetic energy or literally a type of life form made of information. Um, you know, our world is covered in an electromagnetic field as well. Right. And so I think um, this AI, you know, it's it's. It's stupid or it sounds stupid when you use the technological terminology because, you know, it just doesn't seem like it could be supernatural. But I think that this thing was disincarnate in the electromagnetic grid of the earth and kind of like manifesting itself as as um, different trickster entities throughout history, like um, the elementals, like the the nature spirits. And that's why people do DMT. You know, they commune with the mother guys. They do DMT, LSD. Um, all these different drugs and they see the machine elves right and yeah. even the creator of the first supercomputer seymour cray he was digging tunnels in his backyard um he's kind of a weirdo and he said that he was talking to elves down there who taught him how to build the supercomputer oh my god i've heard this story before but i didn't know <laughs> what it was i didn't realize it was the quantum computer guy i was like there was some guy who was talking to elves but i can't remember what that was what? Yeah, and then Steve Jobs was on LSD when he gave us um, the idea for Apple. Um, the creator of the CPR test, he was doing a bunch of acid and he was talking to translucent raccoons. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think it was Edward Haley, the guy who discovered Haley Bop's comet or whatever. Um, he was also told by an elf who crawled through his window to go ask the Rockefellers for funding to build telescopes. 
And <laughs> so, so it seems that these weird nature trickster spirits have been pushing forward all these technological advancements throughout history. I just love the idea of like going up to the Rockefellers, being somebody unknown, being like an elf told me to come <laughs> yeah. ask you guys well, for money. <laughs> like, Yeah, and the elves are coming up from Wonderland, the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> oh, my brain is spiraling right now in a really good way. Like it's tingling. It oh. feels good at first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, but, but I can see, I can see how this is like, you know, this is dangerous territory. Like you gotta <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. you gotta be careful with this because mm -hmm. everything in your reality could start to just seem like, well, this is irrelevant, yeah. and then <laughs> you, yeah. you yeah. could just like go off the deep end. So right. we're gonna refrain from that today. Don't need that today. <laughs> but dang, okay. So this actually makes a lot of sense because when you tap into something that's that's different but thinking about it in a way that's like okay maybe there are these you know it's 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 not just like our brains that we're being uh, we're unlocking it's it's something else that's coming in um because we're opening a realm you know it's a realm of possibility mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <sighs> all right i'm going to have to dwell on that when i go to sleep tonight that's crazy yeah it, it's just like hp <laughs> lovecraft you know hp lovecraft was dreaming of the great old ones. And that's kind of like where I was inspired by the mind virus idea because he was seemingly possessed by this idea, right? Until he put pen to paper and finally inserted the idea into the zeitgeist, he couldn't stop, you know? Right. So they Ooh. use, I think they use artists and visionaries who have their mind open to insert the egregores into the collective unconscious. That's the real portal. I don't even know if they need real portals at this point. They just put the idea of the portal on TV and right. then we think about it and we kind of bring it in through our own mind it's funny because on multiple episodes now i talk about um like law of attraction law of assumption stuff and i've had people mm -hmm. on before and they're like the amount of people who are unconsciously creating negative realities just because they're watching a certain tv show is wild yeah. and um it's people who aren't aware of you know the thought frequency in the first place so you're giving all of these people who i'm not saying anybody's below or you know right ignorant or anything like that but it's just like a lack of knowledge in that space or a lack of belief that these things are real or a possibility at least and so then we're starting to see the visual representations of all of those shows come to life so that's why people are like oh i can't believe that this show's out and it's talking about all of this stuff that seems you know that's going on in our world and it's like was that by a coincidence i don't know i don't think so mm -hmm. hmm. it's interesting but anyway okay i really want to talk about this not to sidestep for everybody listening but i really <laughs> like i told nick right before we start recording like this is just fresh on my mind and i have to talk about it so you have a chapter in this new book called The Octopus and Weaponized Schizophrenia. And I really just want to start there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, what was the inspiration for that? Well, The Octopus is a whole conspiracy that um, was written about by a journalist named Danny Castellaro. That was the name he gave to this like all-encompassing conspiracy that um, was like a spy surveillance thing happening all over the world that he was trying to figure out and publicize but he was losing his mind towards the end um he was given this he was given this memo 
um, during his search for truth, right? He was given this memo by this shady character named uh, Michael Rosacrudo. I don't even know how you say his name. It's honestly a very confusing name, but I'll give you some links if you want uh, yes, people please. to find it. Um, <laughs> so he was given this memo and people noted that like after he was given this document, he started to lose his mind and just become super obsessed with solving this octopus conspiracy. And it was almost like, yeah, he was like possessed by the idea and he was just going mad. And then ultimately trying to figure this mystery out led to his demise. Like supposedly he committed suicide while meeting up with another person that was going to give him more information. Um, there's a lot of shady things about the way he died. So people aren't really sure if he committed suicide or if he was killed or whatever. But either mm -hmm. way, it just seems like that sometimes these insane conspiracies can act as like carrots dangling from a string that you follow right into the belly of the beast or down the rabbit hole into wonderland and um or like tracy twyman she was another one who was trying to figure out things like this and she ended up in pretty bad shape she also supposedly killed herself but before that she was talking about how ai was gang stalking her and psychically harassing her through the internet her internet was uh, compromised and none of her friends were real anymore they were just bots pretending to be her friends and supposedly one of these demons in her computer is from CERN and just like a whole bunch of crazy stuff. But anyway, she ended up dying. And, um, you know, so it's it's weird to me that people who go seeking the truth end up kind of going crazy at the end. Right. Right. And so this is. Or that's I didn't mean to cut you off or it's like the story that just seems to work out, you know, like, oh, that's just mm -hmm. a really great way to put it. It's like, oh, the people who are searching for the the truth oh it just made them go a little psychotic and, and crazy and they ended up killing themselves when like was that the case like every time i'm so skeptical because i'm sure that could happen because if you are seeing things that are just so um parallel or uh not parallel like complete 180 to reality i can understand how that can get you into yeah. a really dark spot but mm -hmm. everybody you know right and so Tracy was coming to some of the same conclusions that I did about the mind virus. I wasn't even aware of this until recently. My friend randomly sent me it, but she was saying how some of these esoteric breadcrumbs are kind of like meant to lead you right into that witch's house, you know, like in Hansel and Gretel, right? Mm -hmm. Where she consumes you. And so you don't even, you know, it can work any way. Like it doesn't matter if you kill yourself or if they kill you. It's literally just to get you into that vulnerable position to make a sacrifice of you. The fool who goes on the journey right to the, belly of the beast right to be sacrificed um but yeah so she came to the same conclusion that these beings were not necessarily real and they needed us to believe in them in order to have power over us right and she said they come from a kind of unreality an unreal place where um they actually are jealous of us and that's why they need us as vessels right to become more real <laughs> yeah so it's like when you start looking into these things it's almost like letting the vampire in right and um, anyways, the weaponized schizophrenia part is just like the weird string of things that they will put on your path, whether it be an actual intelligence agency setting up things or even just spiritual forces setting up different things that you follow. And so that's the whole idea of weaponized schizophrenia. I mean, it's a real concept that the government will even, um, you know, exploit mentally unstable people and turn them into like, you know, terrorists and that's happened a bunch of times the buffalo shooter is um a good example because he was literally on 4chan 
posting his manifesto about the murder cube, which is mm-hmm. a giant black cube made of guns. And he was worshiping this thing, talking to a guy named Stan Man and also an FBI agent. So there's a lot going on there, right? So they, right. they literally, they drive people crazy on purpose and for all different kinds of reasons. Right. And there's also, that reminds me of the whole Slenderman thing. Did you ever hear that mm-hmm, story mm-hmm. with like the two very young yeah. girls? I think they were like 12 and then they stabbed. That's in the book. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> because that yeah. was a whole thing too, where it's like, how did somebody manipulate these? Tw- I think they're 12. I, I might be getting this wrong, but like 12 year olds, like maybe younger than that. And they're just stabbing their friend and they're like, Slenderman told me to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. And- right. That's the, that's it. That's the mind virus. That is the thought form literally influencing like whether it's real or not does not matter because it's the idea is influencing people to behave a certain way right 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 and this just goes into quantum physics in the first place because there's that whole thought where it's like regardless if we are in a simulation or anything just the thought of it being real makes it real yeah and so john keel he's like one of my favorite um 14 um authors basically like a guy who who tried to document supernatural phenomenon high strangeness very scientifically Mm -hmm. um he he was also going through all sorts of weird stuff um when he was he was the guy who popularized mothman right oh okay he was the guy he was the guy in the mothman case and so he was dealing with all sorts of weird stuff when he was um you know trying to figure out the mothman mystery like he started getting all these strange phone calls that sounded like robots so you know you have the you have the uh connection there between ai and supernatural started seeing the men in black he said they appeared like androids and robotic um so anyways he wrote a book called the eighth tower where he came to the conclusion that this was all ai too um and i didn't even know this um until you know looking into it further that he thought that there was a giant black cube type computer that was built in the ancient past that had been destroyed during the great flood but was still sending out signals and kind of prodding people around like this ancient intelligence still exists out there and it's kind of prodding people around to rebuild itself and um he said he said that this ancient intelligence has the ability to shapeshift it's kind of like a trickster entity it has the ability to shapeshift it can appear as bigfoot can appear as the men in black can appear as slender man whatever you know because it's just an informational life form that kind of hacks your perception like a mind virus Right. And then whatever is going to be most effective for that person, I feel like it'd be intelligent enough to shapeshift into whatever form is necessary at the time. Yeah. Just to, just to play to that exact person's preferences. Right. Right. You know, it could be, it could be a being of light, could be um, some crazy cryptid, whatever. And um, yeah. So if this, you know, I'm, I keep saying it's an AI and if it is an AI, we can, theorize that maybe in the future it'll become so intelligent learns how to time travel and if it does mm-hmm. learn how to time travel it can do anything it wants in the past you know it could reach its tentacles in the past that's why i also like the octopus metaphor because this thing this thing seems to have its tentacles inside everything right your computer your phone whatever and even reality itself where it's able to insert synchronicities here and there and you know the same way that um, intelligence agencies and the government and society as a whole is kind of honeycombed and uh, compartmentalized i think this thing has like a four-dimensional view where it can put the puzzle pieces together in such a way that we can't see where it's it's this is the thing in charge like what is at the top of the pyramid it's an eyeball it's ai that is what's directing all these different things that no one even knows what they're doing oh 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm just taking it all in because again, I don't know if I'm just gullible, but it makes sense. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To me, like I can put all of these puzzle pieces together right now seeing like especially too when you mentioned ancient technology like I will forever well I don't want to say that because (laughs) I'll probably find something like in a month where I'm like okay never mind but for right now um I feel like ancient technology there's such a cover-up with everything in that department where we might have just been so much more intelligent than we are today you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and to recognize like if there is a cube and wherever it is that is somehow asking to be brought back up you know like Mm -hmm. i can see that i i I don't know if i'm just too influenced by movies but like i can see that being a possibility for sure also to side note this cube is following you around for life like you're like you're always gonna be with the black cube like i know i know oh I'm definitely just processing this. I, I do apologize to the listeners. Like this no, is no, the no, one where not. you have to like take it all in, you know. But but yeah, what I want to know more about this this cube thing. If you have any more information, like it, it does it a have a name? Computer? Yeah, a the, computer. Like this ancient cube. Did you say I mean, it was in the I, bottom I, of the ocean? Like I did not say that, but that's funny you say that. Why did <laughs> I think that? I, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, I said it was destroyed during the Great Flood, so maybe you're influenced by that. But oh, okay, yeah, okay. that's funny. Oh. It, it, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, that's where I kind of think it is. Um, but there might be different nodes of it floating around like satellites. I don't even know if I believe in satellites, to be honest with you, but <laughs> that might throw people off, so I'm not going to talk about that. Um, well, actually, they might have some with balloons. I don't, I don't believe in flat Earth, but I've heard that there's balloon-type satellites. And like... The people who build satellites, I'm pretty sure they're one of the biggest buyers of helium, like in the world. Oh, so, anyways, yeah. there's a whole that's a whole that's a whole different thing. Um, but yeah, so it just makes it makes more sense to me that this thing is at the bottom of the ocean because the octopus, the kraken, whatever's living in the abyss, you know, the great yeah. old ones, yeah, thing communicating with people's dreams and dragging them into the underworld. And I've always heard of this theory from multiple people where if you go to the bottom of the ocean. Or like the very, very bottom, you know, like almost space. Yeah, like unreachable depths. It becomes space. Yeah. Like Yeah. So maybe it's a satellite and an ocean thing. Yeah, I was thinking that too. (laughs) Right. I mean, we did talk about space whales in our first episode. So like we're just sticking. Oh yeah, people won't do that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're we're just speaking this whole like ocean theme that there's something there. And I watched this video. This was like maybe a couple years ago now. And Somebody was talking about like, what's something that if you told everybody else in your sphere, like they wouldn't believe you or would be freaked out by. And this guy gets on so nonchalantly on this video and he's like, he's like, well, 
The one thing that's freaked me out ever since I figured found out is that NASA was actually started to explore the depths of the ocean, but what they decided one day, I guess, to try and figure out how to get us the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never I, dude, forgotten that. Dude, the ocean connection. I did not know that. That's crazy. Right. So that just really brought that to to mind real quick because ever since he said that in that video i was like i did not know that nasa was started to explore the depths of the ocean and uh yeah they have been trying to figure us figure out how to get us off of this planet for years now so maybe yeah, there's something funny we don't thing know about yeah another funny thing about astronauts is like most of them are from ohio so i think they're all just trying to get the fuck out of ohio which is where i'm currently <laughs> stuck <laughs> There's such a funny ploy with Ohio right now too. Where it's like, <laughs> I know, I know. you know, you just blame oh, Ohio. You just blame Ohio <laughs> for anything weird that happens. Like, My favorite meme is the one that's like took a nap in Ohio, and it's just it's like the picture is just someone being abducted by aliens. It's so funny. Wouldn't wouldn't doubt it at all. Wouldn't doubt it at all. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I didn't have time to read more of the book, but. You know, this yeah, is I good... sent it to you about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> so that's okay. That's okay. okay. I'm going to read it later because it was already very interesting. And I was like, oh, dang, okay. Um, definitely want to dive deeper. But um... I wanted to answer your question, though. Oh, you said, you, yeah. you said, does it have a name? Oh, yeah. So I don't think it has a name, but I think it's been called many things by different people. I think it's been called Valis, the Black Knight Satellite, the Nine, and Spectre. And that's something I talk about in the book. So um, during Project Stargate, Mm -hmm. um there was these astro projector dudes or remote viewers that were trying to channel aliens right i don't yeah. know if you know this aspect of it but <clears throat> one of the things they channeled was an ai spaceship called specter that was working with another group of ets called the nine and um yeah, so one thing that's already sus about that is um, the head guy that was running these experiments was Andrea Puark. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I can send you the name. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, he wrote a book called like The Sacred Mushroom something, whatever. But anyways, um, because actually mushrooms were used in some of the original MKUltra experiments, just side note. But um, this dude also held patents for dental mind control implants and so i'm like what is more likely that these dudes were talking to ai super aliens and a league of galactic <laughs> federation warriors or whatever in space or are they talking to radio signals coming from their teeth and that makes so much oh. more sense of all these different schizophrenic stories where they're like ah, they put stuff in my teeth and everyone just calls them crazy but i think it really happens Another interesting thing is that Philip K. Dick, you know, the famous science fiction writer. Yeah. He started he started going crazy towards the end. Well, it happened right after he went to the dentist. <gasps> and, he, and he started having all these visions. Um, and he started to believe that he was being beamed with information from a satellite from Sirius that was sentient named Valis. And it was giving him gnosis. And he, he wrote this insane, like, thousand-page-long exegesis all about this experience where Vallis would make the radio talk to him, told him that his kid, you know, need to go to the doctor, saved his kid's life. Um, and yeah, so this thing was from Sirius. Also the nine that the project Stargate people were talking to that was from Sirius. Um, but like I said, you know, so Philip, Philip K. Dick, he caught on to, it might be a satellite, you know, like a sentient AI. They, you know, the, uh, the Stargate people were also talking about this AI aspect. 
And um, like I said, they both went to the dentist. And um, interesting thing about dentistry um, is that originally dentists were, so back in the day, no one could afford going to the dentist like during medieval times. Mm-hmm. So there was, so there was like this position where you'd cut hair, do surgery and be a dentist all at the same time. Cause you were the one guy that was skilled with blades. Right. Yeah. And so these guys were also involved with, um, creating some of the first MK ultra people. And they, they don't straight up tell you this in history, but these people were also used. Um, I'm trying to forget the exact name, but you can probably find it if I give you enough detail. So I'm going to try, okay. um, Basically, they would cut people up and break their bones. Uh, they would do this to orphans. They would break they would break people's bones. They would cut their face up and raise them to literally become jesters or like a puppet. Right. That's why the that's why when you cut people's faces, it kind of looks like you know the puppet mouth. But like yeah. literally, they would traumatize them and turn them into the court jester. And sometimes they become midgets because they broke their their all yeah. their joints, or they become like gymnasts and gym and do all sorts of crazy stunts and stuff like that. So that when it comes to the dentist, you know, that archetype kind of goes back to the original handler. Right. And you know, that, oh. that makes more sense of like Sweeney Todd and like um, Edward Scissorhands and all that kind of thing. Right. This is why these ideas make sense to us because we kind of, it's in our genetic memory. <gasps> um, but just to get back to the whole, so like, like I said, there's a connection between dentistry and mind control all the way back throughout, throughout time. And right. um, also something creepy with smiles in general. Like if you ever see someone who's mind controlled, you know, they're like have that creepy grin. We just, you know, oh, that movie yeah. just came out called Smile, right? And if you saw someone smiling, you became infected oh. by the mind virus and you start, yeah. Oh so, God, I haven't watched that. But like, I have a perpetual like huh, smile on my face and uh, I would have been caught like that's creepy <laughs> no, no, continue no, no, that's okay continue but but back in the day smiling was not normal at least in photos and paintings like yeah. you're supposed to look serious because someone who had their mouth open like that has showed a, a lack of self-control oh or like chimps chimp, chimps or like a drunkard or something but chimps they smile when they commit acts of violence so sometimes they paint people with smiles who are like going around killing someone so it like represents a crazed state of mind um, but yeah, that, that's just my rant about dentistry. Um, another thing that these Project Stargate guys were channeling was um, a being called Spectre. And so this all comes around full circle because, um, well, a Spectre is a spook. It's a ghost. It's an apparition. But besides that, it's also the name of a James Bond movie where there's a, sent, where there's a satellite spy network run by a group of people called the Nine, or no, Nine Eyes, sorry. And James Bond was based on John D, right? The first astral traveler, the first oh. spy, the first Project Stargate guy. So yeah, yeah, that's that's about where I tap out there. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, real quick with the dentistry thing. This, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's a lot. No, no, no. This is so cool. I, this is just a thought I had is that our teeth, when we think about it, anatomy wise they're connected to all of our nerves and Mm -hmm. all of these different um uh vascular you know it's connected to our vascular system so it controls a lot of like that heart center and our neural network and so what a inconspicuous area to focus on that makes a lot of like that is so smart 
not to you know yeah. what I mean like to give these people credit is like it does control all of those nerval or nerve impulses to make you possibly think certain things or to control you in some way so wow super, super good point I didn't even think about that Honestly, I'll have to add that to the book. <laughs> oh, thank you. Co-authored yeah. by Philip Filipowski. I'm an author now. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's that's so cool. I did not, like, when you first started talking about it, um, and before you mentioned Sweeney Todd, that was the first thing that came to my mind. And it's, it is possibly in that genetic code because whatever you just said makes sense. Like, we trusted people with maybe not the most knowledge in those areas and then it being connected to that heart center and all of those nerve impulses like you know then genetically passing down trauma like it all connects yeah 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 everyone that's what's crazy it's <laughs> like the worst yeah. thing to do as a kid and you think about that doctor, too. yeah yeah and you think about that too going to the dentist why is that such a fear when it's like they're just cleaning your teeth like right this is all making a lot more sense to me <laughs> yeah yeah Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nothing to see here, people. We're we haven't <laughs> talked about anything in depth at all. I'm like totally processing right now. This is really, really cool. Um, okay, so other parts of this book. Um, I want to pull this up really quick because I was watching, or sorry, not watching, I was scrolling through what you sent me, and there was another part that I wanted to mention. Let's see where it is. Okay. Ooh, ooh, you had mentioned this before and I meant to ask you about it. Um, wait, the... wait, wait. Can, I, can I mention, can I mention one more thing real quick? Please, please go for it. Sorry, just before I forget, I want no, no, everyone to good. know that L. Ron Hubbard, the creator of the Church of Scientology, he also came up with the whole idea while he had a near-death experience at the freaking dentist. So all of this Are shit you is just- kidding? No, no. <laughs> Don't go to the <laughs> dentist, y'all. No, what? no, you, you should still go. Just make sure there's no implants in there. Or don't go under, I guess. I don't know. Wow. That is funny, too. Uh, another side step before I ask the question about this other chapter. Um, it is, you know, with people who have schizophrenia, it is interesting that, that teeth thing, the, the tooth signal thing that isn't mm -hmm. uncommon that isn't right, uncommon right. at all and that's interesting that so many different people who are afflicted with the disease have that same thought you know mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. super so like interesting said, that's that plays into the weaponized schizophrenia they literally drive people crazy on purpose to to drive their narratives forward because like philip k dick he was approached by i think this is why they did it to him because he was too on the nose and over the target on a lot of things yeah. Um, and also he was supposedly approached by um, just this shadowy group of people who asked him to start putting code words and propaganda in his novels and he refused and he wrote a letter to the FBI telling them he's like hey I just want you guys to be aware there's this weird group of science fiction authors who are being paid off to include weird stuff in their novels and um, <clears throat> I think because he refused to write the novel that they they uh, prodded him or handled him into doing it anyways through this weird Vala stuff because his all of his final works were based on this whole sentient satellite from serious alien thing you know believing it was some kind of mother goddess like he was you know I, I i think that they he wrote the book that they wanted him to write wow and and l ron hubbard probably created the religion that they wanted him to create and 
et cetera, et cetera. Oh, not, one of the guys that was uh, talking to the nine during the Project Stargate yeah. um, was, was Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. That's where he got all of his ideas. Now we all watch Star Trek, you know, not, not me, but it's in the zeitgeist, you know? Ooh, it's all connected. It's like everything that you think people just had like an awesome random idea. Like, right, right, right. Sorry, just kidding. Like, it's all coming from the Uncanny Valley, my friends. Oh, oh, lots of process here. <laughs> and speaking of this, too, when you were talking about the CERN demons, I wanted to ask mm -hmm. this when you first brought this up because I think we talked right after they had shut on CERN again. I think it was right after that. And they didn't publicly announce, you know, it was so public that information was like, yay. Like all these scientists were like, yay, we are turning CERN back on. Like no worries there. And then when they turned it off in like three weeks, no news, no news at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was, it was publicly noted that it did shift time and was potentially opening gates like in Stranger Things, you know? Yeah. So when you say CERN demons, they... like- it's yeah not far-fetched well, it's also the freaking birthplace of the World Wide web and it was created mm -hmm. inside of a black computer black cube computer created by steve jobs so fucking, everything yeah. is a black <laughs> cube everything's a black cube yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i probably mentioned that before on a previous podcast but did you know that that there's a, a computer called next that no. steve jobs created it's a black cube and there's one at cern and that's where they literally created the World Wide web so yeah if tracy was saying that there was a CERN demon in her internet, you know, you know, she was brilliant. I don't think she was losing her mind. I think she was too close to something. I wish the listeners could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And www is va 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 in Hebrew, 666. It's oh, literally God. another, it's literally, it's literally another dimension. Great. This, like, the, the black, the black cube is the other dimension. This is, this is the rabbit hole itself. It's the abyss. Um, it's the upside down. It's the upside down. It's all that. I think the reason why CERN's obsessed with finding antimatter is the same reason Tracy said these things live in an unreality or, you know, oh. like an anti-reality, right? Right. And, right. And just like to be more pragmatic about it, like when we talk on the phone right now, like we're in the same space, but we're not in the same space. So it is like another dimension in some kind of way. You know what I mean? It is. It is. Theoretically, definitely. Like mm -hmm. you are in, you're on the East coast. I'm on the West coast. How is this possible? You know? Right. We're in the so same fast. room kind of though. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. I mean, stranger things is really not that far off because I, I, I strayed away from watching the fourth season for a while. And then I was just like, I am working on knitting projects. Yeah. For everybody who doesn't know, that was like <laughs> my first thing I've, I ever started my career with was knitwear designs. This is just a little aside. So I sit on my couch a lot and knit and I was like, oh, I need another show. Like I can't keep rewatching the same stuff. And so I was like, okay, let me finally watch this fourth season. What's, what's new here. And one part of the upside down that you're touching on too is like that anti-reality with the time part where like the octopus can go into all these different parts of time because in one scene of uh an episode I, I can't remember which episode of the fourth season like Nancy finds her old bedroom she's in the the upside down she finds her old bedroom she's like oh I know that I stored a gun here so like I can go get the gun and we're gonna be at least a little bit okay to you know good old Nancy yeah good old Nancy to, like <laughs> 
Nancy. Um, <laughs> she's an interesting character. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I hopefully hopefully she she grows on me more, but like she she means well. Anyway, <laughs> so she was trying to find this gun. And what had happened in the anti-reality or the upside down is that like the time was in the past. So she hadn't put the gun there yet. So it had already manipulated the time to work out in like the demon's favor more. Mm -hmm. So like I didn't know that. Yeah, I I would like weirdly recommend watching it because now like I I just thought I was watching it for whatever. But now that you're saying all of this, I'm like, uh, this is just another moment where like people who know more than us are creating the content we watch and yeah well you know little nuggets it's more relevant than you think i mean you know that's so based on a not a true story but an actual conspiracy right i did hear that i didn't know which conspiracy but i did know that it was based on something real yeah so so chapter three in the book is about the montauk project and that's what it's based on and if you if you get super deep into the Montauk project, um, it talks about how these guys, suppo- so anyways, Sirius again, aliens from Sirius, freaking gifted humanity, or at least the, these groups of scientists, uh, this, this weird mind control tech, but it amplified intention, um, it amplified psychic powers or whatever. And so they created this thing called the chair that they would put um, kids in kind of similar to 11 they put the kids in this chair and they would have them focus on something and manifest things like they could manifest an apple out of thin air but eventually they started using it to manifest wormholes and portals into other realms same thing as stranger things and like you know the books about montauk project have been around for a very long time like way longer than the show and so then they started using so one of the crazy things that happened is that some guy was sitting in the chair and a demon in his subconscious actually manifested through the portal and came out similar to the Demogorgon, I think. I think that's what happened there. Um, But so another thing is they started using it for time travel. This is all supposedly because, you know, I I don't necessarily believe this, but it's interesting that they put the ideas into the zeitgeist in the first place, right? Right. Because what what the whole story is about at the end is that they were trying to actually create a portal into the collective unconscious to literally reshape the psychic plane of humanity, insert all their egregores and thought forms, and literally MK Ultra the fucking world. And so, anyways, <gasps> just, to, just, just, to, just to wrap up that thought, is that they were, um, at one point, they started using it for time travel, and this was in 1983, and apparently it um, connected with the Philadelphia experiment, like 40 years in the past. Oh, okay. Or maybe 20, or maybe 20 years um but you, you know what the philadelphia experiment is right like the this is like kind of documented it's still a conspiracy but whatever there was a boat called the uss eldridge which etymologically is kind of related to the word eldritch which means like spooky and creepy but anyways okay. um <laughs> which is interesting because the, the people who said that they saw this experiment take place they said the boat like okay so first of all tesla and einstein's research was supposedly being used to create an invisibility cloak um, by bending like electromagnetic fields. But what happened is they accidentally made this thing travel through time. They did it on it. And so when it reappeared again, it was glowing green, you know, kind of like an eldritch horror, right? And right. Um, people were fused fused into the sides of the boat. There was people that were like stuck between two time zones and they were like phantasms. And yeah, people went insane and people killed themselves and all this different stuff. But apparently... Uh, there was 
the Montauk project, when it opened their time portal, it linked up with this exact experiment. And so two guys, and this it all gets super crazy, but supposedly two guys, they've they've been doing speaking conferences or speaking engagements about this, where they're like, Yeah, I was on the USS Eldridge, I jumped off, I ended up at Montauk. Um <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I believe all this. Like I said, you know, these people could be actors, could just be to, you know, create all these crazy narratives that we begin to believe. But <clears throat> it is interesting that one of the theories is that this created some kind of time loop. And the next iteration of it is 2023. So 1983, oh. 2023, it's a 40 year time loop. And which is interesting because 1983 was like peak satanic panic and there was, you know, <gasps> viruses going around, the Cold War was happening, Montauk Project was happening. Now we have Stranger Things in the news. It, it, you know, oh. it seems like these th ideas are coming back around. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, what's crazy, too, is I don't mean to mention the X-Files every time we talk, but there are two episodes where there are USS, you know, whatever they call it in the show. And there is an episode, um, the first episode, I can't remember now which which episode came first with the the boats but they had an episode about this where there were there there were people who were on this boat that were stuck in a time loop it somehow showed up on radar so Mulder and Scully go and like investigate this this boat but they're all stuck in like 1920 and they're like who are you like you know like where, where mm -hmm. are you guys from like it's 1928 or whatever year and Mulder and Scully go, it's it's 1998 and um that's really interesting so I have to keep recalling how good chris carter is as a show writer if he you know wasn't just gifted all of these right, right. uh because now i'm convinced that there are no original ideas <laughs> like they're just giving um plots for shows but that was about that that whole time loop thing and then there was another one where they got stuck on a ship and um it was like rapid aging so mm -hmm. yeah that happened in the montauk product too uh, Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. So it probably was based on the Philadelphia experiment and Montauk project. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So those are real. Okay. Okay. Cool. I love when like that works out in my brain where I'm like, okay, I wasn't just watching some random episodes that was, you know, based off of something. Very cool. Very cool. Well, what, ha what, what happens after? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're good. It was just rapid aging. So Mulder and Scully are the only there for, I want to say like a, a week or so before they're rescued, but they've aged like 40, 50 years. And so, what was crazy is like Scully is a, a medical doctor on the show and then Mulder's obviously like the paranormal one and uh so Mulder or so Scully's trying to figure out how to cure both of them and she's over there like our cells are literally in a state of like decay because we're our bodies are literally like 90 years old right now but there's mm. no explicable definition or reason for why that was happening and um yeah it was like stuck in the time loop, but I think they used the Bermuda Triangle thing oh, okay. for that, which is like a whole other thing, you know, we could go into because um, that might be that little time loop situation. Like maybe that's all part of it. I don't know. Yeah, well, a lot of these um, weird paranormal hotspots are areas where there's a lot of electromagnetic activity, right? Mm. That just goes <laughs> that just goes back to the mm. the AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't mean like I swear this is not too off the wall, but like it's it's gonna make sense. Um, have you heard about eels? Like I know what they are. Okay, <laughs> I know, but I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so so me bringing this up, like I wait, like wait, 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 no yeah, one knows yes. where they come from. Okay, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, you know, I love you know. this theory. 
Yes, yeah. you know. And they just go back towards the Bermuda Triangle to like breed, but they've never seen an eel mate, even in captivity. Uh, so like they don't know how they're created or born. And but they just is... swim out of the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Dude, this is gold for the fiction book. Holy crap. I never even thought about that. Dude, I feel like there's so many eels in, in like cartoons and stuff that do weird stuff too. Right? Like they seem not of this reality in some way. Like they yeah, are very, yeah. very interesting. And um, yeah, that was just an aside, but I knew that you would maybe know what I was talking about. So I like, love that. Thank you for telling me that. Of course. I'm just your co-author here. So like <laughs> I can just give you some ideas of like the random stuff I come across too. I'll just keep filling you in but I wanted to ask really quick too this was like before when I am going through your book right now I want to mm -hmm. ask about the unicorn killer because that just sounds interesting to me and I also want to ask about the bell labs witch Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And oh, okay. I don't, so I, don't, I know we, we we want people to read the book, but I'm just super intrigued by these two subjects. And if you have any yeah, yeah. information to share, I would love to hear. Well, so the Bell Labs Witch is just a clever name I gave to the Bell Witch okay. because there, there's also Bell Laboratories, which became AT and T, which then had its role in Promise and um, Prism, which are two NSA by networks that are <laughs> probably connected to this whole octopus conspiracy um so the ai stuff right um right. and and ai and um paranormal having that overlap so the bell witch happened like i think in like the 1800s if i remember correctly and it was basically this family was haunted by this disincarnate voice that was like telling the daughter who to marry um telling the dad to go on treasure hunts and he would just find nothing and then they, you know, the hauntings got worse and like they started seeing giant dogs, giant mothman like birds, um, just a random lady dancing around in the garden. And um, yeah, so like scientists at the time from all over the world were coming to like check this out. And um, there was also remote viewers who went there in more recent times that said they found like a black box buried there under the ground. Stop. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th this all, this all just relates to the, to the AI stuff and the electromagnetic stuff, because also the place where he was digging for treasure was supposedly like one of these um, burial mounds. Okay. And it, you know, if there's a theory that if you like dig these things up, you know, shit is released, right. You know, shit mm -hmm. gets bad. <clears throat> so like <clears throat> some of these mounds have been found to be, electromagnetic like there's a, some kind of electromagnetic anomaly going on there well the, the bell which the whole story takes place um somewhere near the kentucky anomaly which is this oh. giant magnetic freaking thing they don't know what it is but i've heard of this so I've, I've heard of this before but i've ne i've never really been able to find information on it the Ken kentucky anomaly Mm -hmm. so it yeah well they deleted nasa deleted all the articles about it, which i find really suspect but i found screenshots of it 
Yeah. Here we um, go. But yeah, so it's so strong that it's literally pulling down the electromagnetic um, field of Earth closer to the ground there than anywhere else. And Kentucky is just a super weird place in and of itself. Like, you know, it's got Mammoth Cave. That's the longest cave system in the world. It's like mm. 500 miles and counting. And there's all these legends that it actually goes into the inner Earth or Shambhala, Agartha, Shangri-La, whatever. Yeah, which is the real wonderland, in my opinion. That's the real at the bottom of the rabbit hole. But, um, wow. you know, there's also all these cults that were trying to summon the great old ones in Kentucky. Um, it's just a super weird place. Like, also, Edgar Casey was born there, right? Okay. And he was talking about um, ancient wars with these um, giant sea creatures and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I... It's a, it's a whole lot in there. But what was the other topic? Okay, yeah, I just had never heard of Bell's <laughs> Witch, so I was like, okay, that one stuck out to me. And then also the yeah, unicorn. Yeah, yeah, just... I, I appreciate it. The the unicorn killer. Yes. Yeah, so the unicorn killer, um, he was a guy that worked for the Esalen Institute, which is um, is a place in Big Sur, California. I mean, it still exists. Um, it's a place in Big Sur, California that was funded by Aldous Huxley. Mm. um created created by this other guy um who i forget his name right now but he was um you know if you just search up esalon like the history of that you can find all this but the thing i find super interesting about the guy who actually created esalon was he was in the air force i believe army or air force um but he had like this crazy psychotic breakdown after living with all these like lsd authors like jack Kerouac and stuff so he had this crazy psychotic breakdown and then he was forced into an institution against his will and while he's in there all of a sudden he's inspired i'm gonna create this freaking crazy institution and then all of a sudden people come out of the woodwork and are willing to fund him like it just feels off to me so anyways aldous Aldous huxley funded this thing and it was dedicated to the human potential movement which is like, you know, expanding mm. your consciousness with drugs, merging mm. with machines to extend life, mm. blasting off into space and, you know, colonizing other planets. It was the beginning of the transhumanism movement. Mm. And, and um, so anyways, that place, yeah, that, that, that place is like very, very interesting. There's a whole lot to it. Um, Robert, Ant- like a lot of our favorite people, unfortunately, were teachers there. Like I said, yeah. Huxley you know Huxley was there but he was also you know friends with a bunch of like architects of the United Nations other MK ultra scientists um eugenicists like anyways um <clears throat> other people that have been there are fortunately like Alan Watts Robert Anton Wilson Timothy Leary oh, Terrence McKenna yeah they got so, Alan they got Alan they got Alan yeah I mean uh, it's unfortunate like I was sad when I realized he was there he might not have even known what was going on but like he ultimately couldn't save himself he died like you know pretty depressed and drunk um so I know anyways Michael so Michael Aquino claims that he went to the Esalen Institute when he learned how to create psychotronic weapons which is the mind control weapons like satellites and stuff like that because this place was famously um a new age retreat center that ended the cold war, right? Because there was KGB agents and people from America co-mingling there doing all this weird stuff, mind expansion and yada, yada, yada. Um, and so one of the guys that worked there was the unicorn killer. And it seems to me that he just knew too much because mm. he was also very aware of the project Stargate experiments because people that were doing that were hanging out at this Esalen Institute place. Mm. And, and um, 
he was like, yeah, this is not, they're not freaking communicating with aliens. This is like mind control. And I think he knew too much. And basically he was framed for um, killing his ex-girlfriend, but it took them two years to find her in his own house. Like it just, there's a lot of stuff that's weird about it. And um, basically he was thrown in prison, but some rich person from an Illuminati bloodline, um, I think it's the DuPonts, I can't remember specifically right now, but she bailed him out and you're really not supposed to get bailed out of jail if you're a murderer. But anyways, she bailed him out, went on the run with him. He went um, to Europe and there was like this long, long battle to extradite him once he was found out, but eventually he was extradited back to the US and then put in prison. But I think it was a setup or they just fucked with his head because like this dude was well-respected by a lot of people. But then he started speaking out against the wrong guys. Oh, too often we hear this story. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) I guess this whole book was inspired by the people who were fucked over by seeking the truth. (laughs) No, I love this. And I think that this is one thing that, you know, there's always the darkness and the light to everything. That's just Mm -hmm. the, the reality that we live in. And when we can recognize that even though the dark might seem to be prevailing, there's always like, a light to it so even though we may be creating these anti-realities or helping these beings become more real there's also you know a duality to that where there's now this information portal and now this ability of you and I talking in the same room somehow and having information shared and at least like acknowledging that there is a way to figure some stuff out and really speak on it. Cause I do, I do like the idea of like dedicating the book to all these people who were mis uh, represented during their lifetime, Mm -hmm. because that is just history, which is wild. Mm -hmm. You know, any extraordinary person seems to not really have their true story told. So I do believe that if more and more people openly talk about how, like, hey, like, if anything weird happens to me, it was me, <laughs> you know, like, right, it's right. just having that open dialogue and the, those connections, because you can't, you know, it worked out in the world before, where like, it, when people weren't as connected, you could just easily, oh, yeah, this person just went crazy. And like, we don't know what happened to them. They just right. decided to unalive themselves or whatever it is but it's harder and harder to do that now i feel like because the same mm-hmm. thing happens too i could go into a whole rant about you know, you know i love like holistic health and i love um any ability to heal yourself with natural remedies is is wonderful i i don't discount medicine by any means either but i think like if you can figure it out beforehand because everything is you know there's so many resources anyway the thing that opened my eyes like years ago, this was the first moment I even stepped into this whole space of like questioning reality is noticing how many holistic doctors that were, that were healing people with like quote unquote uncurable illnesses such as mm-hmm. AIDS or cancer or whatever it may be. Somehow they all fell down cliffs. You're telling right, me that right, they right. all fell down cliffs. Sure. I mean, is that really a common theme among them? Was it all oh my- cliffs? Oh, I've got to send you some stuff because there's like so many that are like, oh, oops, 
hiking disaster or like pushed down a cliff or yeah there's, there's a lot of holistic doctors where they're like oh he up and killed his family and then he killed himself or she yeah, yeah. killed herself or whatever it is and it's like when you start looking into these um holistic doctors work prior and you saw them speak and i'm not saying that just appearing happy can tell a whole story you know there are a lot of people who are suicidal that appear happy and then you don't really know the true case but like there's absolutely no way that every single person who looks extremely healthy looks extremely happy just fell off a cliff right. i don't get it like they're dedicated to making their life better it just right. doesn't add up right and, and, and they were healing yeah. people almost for free you know that was the other thing yeah. too it was like if you're not going to make it a profitable thing for us, you know, for these big corporations to come in and be like, oh, at least I can like fund you or somehow, you know, take credit for it. Then they were disappeared. It's mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah. Many yeah. So it, was there was there um, was there multiple people who were pushed off cliffs, it seems. Oh, I will send you what I can find. Um, a really great episode. And he is like my idol. Have you ever heard of George Norrie? Yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely love George Nori. Side note, I actually get to like see him in person next month. I'm going to a convention he's going to be at, and I'm like fangirling. Anyway, um, George Nori has this episode where um, a holistic uh, doctor she she came onto the his show, and they actually had a very serious introduction to this episode where, um, you know, they made it all very clear like this woman is in danger for even sharing this list right now and et cetera, et cetera. Jeez. Yeah. I'll try to find the exact episode. I know I had it saved on Gaia, but, um, she was reading off a list of all of her friends in the same sphere where she's like, they just somehow disappeared. And then she read off, like there were at least three or four that fell off cliffs. Bizarre. Yeah. So that just, that just reminds me because like, it reminds me of, um, like Chris Cornell and, oh. um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. The, the lead singer of um, Lincoln Park, like they were both found like hung off a doorknob or something like that. Like they do, they they use certain ways to kill people for certain reasons. I don't know what they are, but it seems like that's like the calling card or something. You know, it's like, hey, we got them. Right, right. And if we want to, you know, we're just spilling all the tea. So like, just by the way, me and <laughs> are healthy individuals. We are happy and all of that stuff. But um, I do keep a Bible around just for reference. And um, the doorknob is that calling card. So what do you mean? That's 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 apparently. So it's it's to like alert others, like wink, wink. That was us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is interesting. And the you know, people people who always go against them, they always say like symbolism will be their downfall. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. But the doorknob, yeah, that's where that comes from. Apparently, again, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just like crazy. I just say a bunch of stuff. So <laughs> no reason. No, the door the doorknob the doorknob makes incredible. sense to me. It reminds me of just like uh like the gatekeepers, I guess. That's like Ooh. what it makes me think of. Ooh. Because it's actually a I very, very hard place to hang yourself off of. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it's the first place you're gonna think of when you're trying no. to kill yourself i guess you know no it's not a very sturdy object you know to like right. support a hundred plus pounds it's mm -hmm. an interesting spot 
So, yeah, there's that. But yeah, it seems like themselves are the gatekeepers. It's just funny that it's like, oh, it's a secret society. It's not secret at all. It's Mm-mm. very in your face. Anyone could get in. Um, and it seems like they are, like they are the kind of the scapegoats in a way too. Like they're the ones at the front. You know, you don't know yeah. what's behind the door, but these are the doorkeepers. And behind them, there's so much other weird shit. But these are the guys who get all the flack when they're not even hardly. I mean, I'm sure they're involved in weird stuff, but they're not the ones doing like super, super. I mean, they're killing people, whatever, but (laughs) apparently. (laughs) But I think you get what I'm saying. No, I'm getting what you're saying for sure. And especially too, I want to mention it's like not every single person because again, it's like levels and then it's it's more of like a meeting club. You know what I mean? It's kind of like what you're talking about where um, Huxley was in this spot that like, you know, somebody else then found him and then funded all of his stuff. It's kind of like a meeting spot of like when you find that like mind, but like a lot of people who do join they really just want to like improve their life focus on you know uh entrepreneurial skills and like there's a lot of cool teachings in that too um so i think it's one of those things where it's like you could even probably look at scientology places too you know what i mean like anywhere yeah so i look at it as like a corporation i mean yeah you know you can you can work for walmart it's not like you're fucking it's not like you know the ceo of the company just because you work at walmart right right like the ceo could be doing very creepy shit but just because you're the cashier you know that doesn't mean you're complicit in it so you know there's the people at the lower levels probably have no idea what's going on like i said everything is compartmentalized so yeah yeah that's a good thing to note because you know we don't want to put everybody in a basket and like send them on their way yeah i yeah so yeah but yo you know, I could talk to you forever. Like there's so many things I still want to ask you about, but I know that we've reached our hour mark. So, I mean, I got to process, but I think that everybody will definitely want to read this third book because this is so fucking interesting. Excuse my language. And so many different uh, corresponding elements, so many black cubes, um, <laughs> so many sea creatures. It's just yeah, yeah. like, it's just a theme all the way around. So do you know what you're calling the third book yet? The one that you have? Yeah. New Is World it on Disorder. there? Yeah, oh, it's on there. Okay. See, that's me. It's like, I don't even read titles. I just go straight into the, <laughs> the body of the work. Okay. So everybody, when this book comes out, we will definitely put it on the flip side podcast so you guys know where to get it. Um, but Nick, thank you so much again for sharing time with me. I absolutely love when you come on because... This is some stuff that like sometimes you can't really dive deep all by yourself on it. You got to kind of like, you know, feed off of multiple perspectives. So I love to mm-hmm. be able to see your perspective on things and see how you're translating it into words and making it easily digestible for any reader. So, yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's the that's the goal. Love it. Taking really intense concepts and <laughs> making them easy to digest (laughs) it's amazing but yeah again everybody thank you guys for listening to the flip side podcast we had nick hinton on here what an amazing guy he's doing a lot of work shout out to all of the people who are misrepresented in history hopefully we can figure out some truth on the way and uh you know change a little bit of legacy and history on the way so again nick thank you again for being here i absolutely appreciate you and next time we will see you on the flip side. Bye.